0: Got to clear things out of it here. Thanks, team, for leading us. Come on. <laughs> Whoa, I'm going to lower this a little bit too. Here we go. Well, it is good to be back. I missed you guys. I really did. And uh, it was good. It was good to go to the annual general meeting of the Covenant Church. That's where I was last weekend in Breton, Alberta. We did kind of a joint meeting between Breton and Toronto, where a lot of the city churches went to Toronto, and a lot of the town and country churches went to Breton, and we had a terrific time. We welcomed uh, three new churches into the Covenant family on the weekend, which was really exciting. These are churches that we planted in the last number of years and we went through the planting process. Uh, it was in uh, Lakeridge Community Church in Strathmore, uh, just outside Calgary, uh, Holy Community Church in Winnipeg, which is a church plant from Faith Covenant Church in Winnipeg, And, and then in Toronto Avenue Community Church. And so these, uh, three churches that we planted a few years ago and have been, uh, you know, helped along the, on, along the way are now completely, uh, standing on their own as churches. And, uh, we were able to welcome them formally into membership in the Covenant Church as, as, as standalone churches in that sense. That was really exciting, uh, to be able to see that and see that growth. It was good.
1: We're in the middle of a
0: message series, actually, again, toward the end of a message series on serving. And I want to thank, in particular, Derek Bird, who shared a few weeks ago on how we can serve the next generation, as well as uh, Becky Coons, who shared last week on how, as we serve, serving is a two-way street. And I'm thankful for both of them being willing to serve us by sharing the message. We've been looking at ways that we serve both the people and the planet. And the first thing we see when we look at service, when we think about how we serve is, I got a bit of an echo up here, Jack. Is that? Is it the monitors? No, they're off. Okay. Just thought I'd check because that was starting to get to be too much for me. Um, when we think about how we serve, what, the first thing we notice is how different service can look depending on who the people are. Right? It seems like there's almost an endless variety of ways that we can serve. And that's what we're going to look into this one. But first, let's start with a little game. I'm going to put some pictures on the screen. And what you need to do is shout out the tool you would need to do something with whatever is on the screen. Okay, so first one is, well, let's start with an easy one. What do you need? Oh, man, you guys are good. <laughs> Next one. Well, what do you need for that? A saw? A saw? Yeah, okay. Well, a little, little harder. What is that? A really big chisel. Yeah, a crane. Yes, a crane. It is. Those are blocks of marble. So you'd need a chisel, probably some sort of electrified chisel of some kind. You might need a little bit of um, Michelangelo or, you know, I'm not sure what all you would need. Good. Next picture. Uh What do you need? What was that? Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect-looking engine, Kevin says. Don't touch it. <laughs> you need a whole bunch of tools for this, right? Diagnostic tools, wrenches, socket sets. I don't I don't know a thing about it, so Kevin wouldn't let me touch it if it was his engine. Yeah, a lot of special tools, right? As any mechanic knows, Kevin and others, the, the tools have become even more and more specialized, you know, uh, as the engines have gotten more complex. Next one. Oh, a printer. What tool do you need for a printer? A hammer. That's the one I was looking for, Val. Whoops. A hammer. That is the tool that's needed for printers. Yes. Okay, next one. There's a hoof. What do you need? What kind of tools do you need? Pardon me? A forge. There you go. Yes. Giselle, what other tools do you need? A pick. Horseshoe nails. A trimmer. Snippers. Lots of different special failure tools. Yeah, awesome. Next one. Oh, my goodness. An ice climber. What kind of tools do you need? A rope. Huh? Some brains. He wouldn't be on there. Yeah. I was going to say guts. Yeah, I don't know if those are tools or not, but he needed them. Yeah, the, the picks, the crampons, the, the, the buddy down below. Yeah, alright, all right. next one. A lump of clay. Good hands. What else that? A potter's wheel. Kiln. Lots of special tools, right? Needed. Each one of these items we saw, and of course we could have put a lot more up there, need special tools. Unique tools that have been shaped for special purposes. We don't use the same tool for everything, do we? Some of you do. How many of you have broken sets of pliers because you tried to pry something with them? <laughs> ever, try, ever tried to pound a nail with a wrench? Admit it. Rounded a few, uh, rounded a few bolts because all you had to hand was a Leatherman?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Or how many of you have sore backs because you really thought it was the macho thing to lift that And didn't wait for proper equipment. A bunch of the older guys go, "Yeah, that was that was that was one day a long time ago." Tools shaped for a special purpose make a real difference, don't they? That's what we're looking at today. You can do so much more, more quickly, more beautifully if you have the right tools. And can all the men looking forward to Father's Day say, "Amen" to that? (laughs) Hint: Proper tools are what is needed to make that next project. Well, guess what? When we look into how we serve, we see that God has shaped each one of us in a unique way. Each one of us have been uniquely shaped to contribute, to lead, to serve, and to make a difference in the world. But how? How exactly have we been shaped? Well, figuring that out is the challenge we're going to address this morning. But before we get to that, just for a moment, before we talk about how we've been shaped, let's just remember a few things together, kind of some foundational things. First off, God has designed His church, His people, to grow. We're actually designed to grow. We're designed to to, to become healthy, more healthy, more vibrant. That's, that's normal. That's part of following Jesus. And so when we think of our own spiritual lives, when we think of our life as a church, growth is good. We should be expecting growth and health. That's both growth in the depth of our relationship with with God and with each other, uh, a growth in understanding of who He is and who He's called us to be, a a growth in our reach as a congregation, and yes, even growth in numbers. Growth is good. God designed us to grow. But we also know that the way that God grows His church is through His church. That's the way that God grows you is going to be through others. That's how we become more patient. That's how we become more loving. That's how we grow in our understanding of what God is doing in our lives and how we're supposed to respond to Him. we do that when we serve each other. That critical to how we grow, this growth that God has designed us for, critical to that is us serving one another. And this service to each other, as we've been seeing through this whole series, isn't something we can sort of take or leave. It's not something just for the special few or the pastor or the, those, those people that have these particular uh, gifts or interests. This is actually something that's for all of us, that Jesus has called each and every one of us, without exception, to serve. That serving isn't optional in that sense within the church. Well, if we are a follower of Jesus, we know all that. We believe that. And it's kind of like, blah, blah, I've heard that before, I know that. But the hard part, which I've actually heard many of you say to me, the hard part is, how. Like, how am I supposed to serve? How has God made me? Or where should I serve? What are my gifts? How does God want to use me? Or can he even use me? Or maybe even the question, what is my unique shape? Many of us struggle because though we want to serve, we aren't sure that we are the ones who can best serve God's people. And when we try to figure that out and we get, we get maybe stuck or a little bit paralyzed in the mix, I think a In part, because we aren't exactly sure who we are. We aren't exactly sure how we are shaped. And as a result, we can kind of stall out. So that's what we're going to look at today. How has God uniquely shaped you, uniquely shaped us to serve? Because if you knew that, if you were really clear on who you were and how you were shaped, then it would be so much more clear of how you can serve and and really see the body of Christ uh, grow. We're going to follow an acronym this morning, SHAPE. We're going to explore five ways that we've been shaped to serve. And we owe this acronym to uh, Rick Warren. He's spread it around. Um, I came across it a while back, and I thought it was super helpful. I know it's been helpful for a lot of churches, a lot of people. Some of you have probably heard it before. But I actually think it's helpful for us this morning for, for a couple reasons. One is, you yourself, I think, will be able to learn something or be challenged in a way uh, that will enable you to serve more effectively. But also you might be in a conversation with someone else who is struggling to figure out how they can serve. Like they aren't sure. And I actually think this little acronym, these these five ways of understanding shape, could be really helpful for you as you're encouraging someone else. Does that make sense? As you're helping someone else grow. There's a handout in your, in your bulletins today, and, uh, there's even spaces to write on, and so I want to encourage you to follow along as we dive right into this. The first letter for shape is not a real surprise. The S stands for spiritual gifts. When we follow Jesus, when we trust Him with our lives, and when we let Him lead, He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is all through Scripture that God himself comes to live inside of us. And along with his presence empowering our lives, God gives us gifts that are specifically designed to help him, to help serve him, to, to help the body of Christ grow, to serve him in mission. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, we read, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's why the gifts are given. And identifying our gifts, our spiritual gifts, are very important. But as many of you know, even that conversation can stall us out. It can feel kind of nebulous. It can feel confusing. We can see all these lists and we can wonder, what are they? And some of them we've never even heard before. The list can seem too long or kind of strange. But, but here's the point. Uh, I want you to hear If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit, and therefore you've been given gifts. And so right at the outset, we have to trust that gifts have been given, though they're often undiscovered or undeveloped. I firmly believe that most spiritual gifts are not given in full form. They're often given in tiny seed form, and they require us to actually begin discovering them, using them, learning how they work talking to others who have a similar gift, exercising that gift and actually beginning to use it in community to serve the body of Christ. But we can, through trial, through error, through experimentation, through feedback, by seeing the fruit that comes, we can discover some of those spiritual gifts. It's not meant to be a big mystery. It's really meant to be a variety of tools we have in our tool belt to then build the church. The lists the Bible gives, primarily in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 are really just sample lists. They're not meant to be exhaustive, laying out all the gifts that are available. You can see the way that Paul, who wrote both of those letters, uh, adjusted the list he was addressing certain situations. They include everything, these lists include everything from um, gift of teaching to gifts of leadership, uh, as well as spiritual gifts as diverse as prophecy or or helps, serving or healing or giving. What these gifts are all about is God working through us according to the gifts He's given us to build His church and to help us, to help us grow. And the gifts are very diverse because each one of us are unique. No one of us are the same. We've been given the same Holy Spirit, but how He expresses Himself through us is very different. When we discover and develop our gifts, we see fruit. We see that God is able to do something through us that we would not be able to do on our own or it would not have the effect that it would have we find that God is able to actually help us help others find and follow Jesus there's a lot of different spiritual gift inventories that you can take things online I mean literally you can google it they're all out there there's books uh, you can read the lists uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and dig more deeply into scripture study there. And some of you might even want to look at maybe forming a connect group, maybe next year sometime, uh, if you're really interested in, in digging into spiritual gifts. There's a number of curriculum and Bible studies that can be done as we discover together the gifts that God has given us. On the handouts I've given you today, there are reflection questions for each one of these. And today's reflection question for gifts is very simply, what gifts do you have? Are you able to identify them? Do you know what maybe one or two are, but you're not sure of others? How are you using the gifts that God has given you? Perhaps that's something you already know, but perhaps it's something that you're earlier on in your, in your walk with Jesus. You're just discovering all this, or maybe you haven't heard a lot about gifts, and so you, you need to explore further. I encourage you to do that in community, to invite others to speak into your life, to discover together the gifts that God has given you uniquely for you to use in building up this local church and the church as a whole. So that's the S in shape. The H is for heart. You see, more than just spiritual gifts, we also have unique passions and interests, special desires, often that have been given to us by God, often that have been shaped by our own experiences. We often call that having a heart for something. Some of you have a heart for unwed mums. Some of you have a heart for animals. Some of you have a heart for healthy organizations or a heart for the lost. Maybe you find yourself hot and bothered the moment you hear about an injustice that's done. Maybe you're just energized by the, the questions and the vibrancy of preteens. Maybe you love to see God's people worshiping in freedom. Or you're passionate about well-organized projects and pulling people together and uniting and seeing something significant done. You know what I mean? You've seen that people with heart, you yourself have a heart for something or you've discovered that or maybe in the past you know you have. That's part of your unique shape. Not only part of how God made you, but it's actually central to the way that God wants to release you into service for the sake of the body of Christ. All through scripture and down through Christian history, we can see how God used the people, normal people, everyday people, to make a difference in the world through an enlarged heart that he gave them. Serving in slums, serving orphans, the forgotten, the neighbor, people who've been ignored, seeing injustice overturned and freedom come. So, reflection question, what really gets you going? What energizes you? What keeps you up at night? What ticks you off? What makes you so happy? What do your friends know? If you were to ask your friends, what do they know you are always going on about? (laughs) That might be an interesting thing to ask. (laughs) What's your heart and your mind drawn toward? These are critical questions that we can ask as we determine the heart that we have. But let's keep going. The A in shape stands for Abilities. Quite simply, we all have unique and varied abilities. Skills we've learned. uh, Crafts we've honed. Sometimes it's a natural ability. You're just one of those people that everything you put your your hands to works or you just have a beautiful voice, whatever it is. Other times it's something we've had to really work hard and it's been decades of hard work to gain the ability that you have. In Romans 12, Paul says this. Listen, in his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I'll read a little more. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, what strikes me about this list is that though some of them are are more identifiably spiritual gifts, others are more like natural abilities, latent abilities that you can see in people, which are then used for the glory of God. And skills and gifts and abilities that are used for the glory of God often look very similar and have a very similar effect to a spiritual gift. We have abilities. We all do. Some of you are very good with your hands. Some of you are like super organizers. I stand in awe of you. (laughs) Some of you are talented musicians. Some of you are skilled marksmen, avid fishermen. Maybe you're really gifted in art or photography. Some of you are really good listeners. You're really good at it. Some of you have the ability to see and encourage young people. Our abilities, when they're offered to God for his service, they are a key way that we are able to make a difference in other people's lives. So what are you good at? Be honest. You don't need to be too humble or too proud about this. A little earlier in Romans 12, it says, Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has has given us. So take some time to reflect. Maybe this week, start to think, what are my abilities? What can I do? Not in comparison to anyone else, just what am I able to do? You might be surprised at how long the list is. Well, drawing together our spiritual gifts and our heart and our abilities already begins to give us a solid picture of where we could or should serve. But we're all unique individuals, aren't we? Some of us are outgoing. Some of us are quiet. Some of us love to be the center of the party. Others love to hide out in the kitchen with a few friends, work behind the scenes. And that's why the P in shape is all about personality. Each one of us created in the image of God have been fearfully and wonderfully made, as we read in Psalm 139. We each uniquely express God's divine, wonderfully complex nature. It's seen in the diversity of us all and how we serve using our spiritual gifts and according to our heart passions and even with the abilities that we've gained will often look very different depending on our own unique personalities. Some of you need to hear this really clearly this morning that God actually didn't make a mistake when he made you the way you are. Because some of you have thought that, right? You've looked around, you've seen other people and they serve so naturally, and they they serve in these different ways, and you think well i can 't do that because i 'm not like them, and therefore somehow i 'm discounted that 's not true, you know God has made you, and he loves you we 're thankful that he made some of you more shy <laughs> and some of you more loud. Some of you are careful thinkers, and some of you are spontaneous in fact. As we hear in Ephesians 2.10, each one of us are God's handiwork, God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you hear that? You are a masterpiece of God. As the old t-shirt would say when I was growing up, God didn't make junk, right? He made you. He loves you. He made you uniquely you. We often discount ourselves because we think we're deficient in some way. But the beautiful thing is that your unique personality, who you are, is needed to make the body of Christ strong. You. Every one of you. Whether you're introverted or extroverted or big picture dreamers or down in the dirt detail people, whether you're spontaneous or concrete, whatever your type, You're important. You're valuable. You're needed. You bring something to the team that no one else can bring. I want you to hear that. A lot of you, I know, you're looking me in the eyes and thinking, I already know this. But you know, some of you don't. Some of you have discounted yourself for so long that you don't realize we really need you. The church really needs you. You bring something no one else can bring. God has made you his handiwork. He's created you for his good work. And he wants to release you as he's created you to be. Isn't that beautiful? So, let me ask you. What's your personality? What makes you, you? That was a big question. That will be a fun conversation this week with friends. Or maybe your kids. There are a lot of inventories and tests, and some of you don't like that kind of thing, which says something about your personality. Uh, but uh, others of you just love to take those kind of tests. I get all that. My favorite, personally, is the Myers-Briggs type indicator and the Enneagram. I love those two. But there are lots. And what's the point of all these inventories and tests? It's not about pigeonholing you. It's about helping you have a more fruitful conversation with friends about who you are and who God has made you to be. really helps with teamwork. Because when I begin to get a better picture of who you are, then I understand maybe some of the dynamics of our relationship, why we've struggled in certain ways, why I really never understand the words that come out of your mouth. Those kinds of things. Really helpful for teamwork, helpful for the body of Christ. As you get clearer on who you are, you're then more clear on who others are, but also how you can serve. We're all uniquely fashioned and called to serve the way Christ has made us. Okay, so, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, the E is for our experiences. Whoever you are, whatever your gifts are, whatever your personality is, whatever abilities, you've had a variety of experiences in life. And some, as we all know, have been very difficult experiences, traumatic experiences, experiences of abuse, neglect, horrible things. Other experiences have been wonderful, loving nurturing experiences, encouraging experiences. Some of you have had experiences that could sort of fall into the more normal category, just things you've learned, places you've been, things you've done. Maybe you maybe you went to the mission field. Maybe you grew up on a farm. Maybe you learned another language. Maybe you played college hockey. You know, whatever it is, all these experiences have, have shaped you, have made you uniquely you. And our experiences, good, bad, normal, weird, whatever, they actually often influence the context of our service. They can also influence our heart. They can influence our ability. You know, for example, a woman who's really struggled with postpartum depression may then have a real heart for other young moms who are struggling in a similar way, which then may lead her to get more training in counseling and, and facilitation. So there's, an, there's just one example where an experience creates a, creates a heart which then leads to greater ability. These things can all work together. You see this really demonstrated, I mean, you've seen it demonstrated in your own life. We really see it demonstrated through a number of of biblical characters. You think of Paul, who was Saul first and then became Paul the great persecutor of the church, he was also the great apostle of the faith. He was deeply educated in the philosophy and religion of the Jewish people and the Greeks in his day. Highly educated And that, after God got a hold of him, became a central way that he served the church. Planting churches, teaching, and then writing, a good part of the New Testament. God used his experiences and led him to serve in a certain way because of them. Joseph, the Old Testament character, remember, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers and he he grew through the experiences he had over many years, not only to serve, but to save his own family, and an entire region from starvation. Ruth, experiencing the devastating loss of her own husband, then follows her mother-in-law back home to a foreign land. Those experiences shaped who she was, and she ended up being the the grandmother of the great King David, and eventually one of the great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers of Jesus himself. Taking stock of our experiences are important. Sometimes, especially the bad experiences, but also the good, we can kind of just say, well, that's behind us. That's just, that was yesterday. But we can't discount the experiences we've had and the ways that it shapes us for service. You know, when I reflect on my own life, I can see how much my experiences have shaped my service. Being raised on a farm, participating in many years of short-term missions, uh, learning to play the guitar in South Africa, profoundly shaped my life because of how guitar has been such a significant part of my life in ministry leading my hometown youth group growing up, finding good mentors along the way. These have been experiences that have shaped me, and those are just a few of them. They've all shaped me in how I serve. And if we were today to tell our stories to each other, which I do encourage you to do in in smaller groups around coffee or whatever, we would hear of how God has shaped us through, yes, failed marriages, tragedies, even death, but also through success and through significant moments of insight, through exciting experiences in our lives experiences we've had in maybe different churches or in 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 multiple different communities through different ministry experiences things you've seen or done or witnessed or even endured we know that god has promised to work everything out for good right to those who love him and these experiences we've had one of the ways he works them out for good i believe is that through the experiences we've had he's able to empower us to serve in unique and beautiful ways. So what experiences have made you who you are? Some of you have never really reflected on that, you know? And I encourage you to do that. This might be a moment in your life where you decide, I'm going to sit down and start writing. Not for anyone else, just for myself, but I'm going to to write some of my story. I'm going to ask myself, what are the shaping experiences of my life? What has made me who I am? I know that if you will do that, you will glean a lot from that writing your own story and understanding the experiences that have shaped you. And if you're brave enough to share it with someone else, it'll benefit them and encourage them to do the same. Well, through these five ways, we begin to get a unique sense of our shape. And when we know our shape, I believe we're better equipped to serve, because we serve as we're shaped. It's very likely true that in our lives, real, significant kingdom service the kind of service that makes a real difference in the world that really impacts lives that really changes things excuse me we'll be located at the intersection of these five things our spiritual gifts our heart our abilities our personality and our experiences it's as jesus has shaped you that he wants to use you to bring his kingdom to others to love the lost to restore the broken to care for the planet to bring healing and restoration and peace and life to the world that he loves. So how do we bring this all together as we close today? Well, I think serving requires action. I think that we uh, can't just remain paralyzed or still or disobedient or resistant. Jesus, we have heard again and again, it says, "Go and do likewise, right? Seek the benefit of others." Use the gifts you've been given for the building up of the body of Christ. All these things mean that as Christians, we have a bias toward action. It means that when we're hearing God's word, when we're reading it, when we're taking it in, that it's as though we are always hearing Jesus on the edge of our seats. We're always hearing Jesus with our boots strapped up. We're poised for action. That's our orientation. When we read God's word, we receive teaching when we're challenged our, our our orientation is toward movement we're we're ready to go ready to serve we we aren't like uh, you know we just receive good teaching or or read the scripture and then just sort of put it on the shelf and go on with our day but rather we receive it for the purpose of movement of action well we use Rick Warren's acronym this morning's shape but I thought I'd give you another one because Hey, when you get in the acronym mood, you just can't stop. So let's look at taking action this morning as we really apply this to our lives. Here's what we need to do. The first thing we need to do, the A, is to ask for direction. I think this comes in prayer as we ask God for direction, especially for some of us who maybe aren't sure about our shape. Like we really don't know. Maybe we aren't sure about our spiritual gifts, but we're pretty clear on our abilities. Maybe we're, we're, we're not certain of those things, but we're really clear on some of our shaping experiences. Whatever it is. But to ask God to give you direction. Say, Lord, I know that you want me to serve, but I'm not sure how. Would you please guide me in the process of discovering my unique shape? I also encourage you to ask others. Ask a few trusted friends in on the process. Say, you know what? I want to find out what my shape is. Do you? (laughs) Help me or or walk with me. Like, let's figure this out together. Asking for direction involves humility and vulnerability. I understand that. But I think it's such a critical for us as we discover what our shape is. The C is to clarify your shape. You know, what we looked at this morning in a very brief message is really could be a workshop, right? A weekend workshop or, you know, a five-week series. I know that. But um, you may have been tweaked this morning and you want to explore further. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Take the handout. Work with it further. Uh, Go online. Discover some things. Talk to me about it and I'll, I'll point you in some right directions. Maybe look at establishing a connect group over this next year to look at your shape. Whatever that is, but clarifying your shape will be critical to how you move forward in service. Maybe take some personality assessments or, or, or look at spiritual gifts, whatever that is. Write your story. Clarify your shape. The T is to take some risks. Or you can even say, try something. You know, one of the things we can sometimes get paralyzed by is because it's like we're afraid to try a, a gift or we're tra- afraid to, to try something new. And I want to encourage you to take some risk on that. That if we're really to serve one another, it's okay to say, you know what? I don't know a thing about kids, but I'm going to volunteer for kids ministry. Or I'm all thumbs in the kitchen, but I'm going to help with coffee time. Or I'm going to to go over and I'm going to to see if I can help with the youth. You know what? You can try it. We will not hold it against you if after six weeks you say, Wow, did I strike out? And when you come and say, You know what? This is not working for me. Guess what? They're probably going to say to you. You're right. It's not working for you. (laughs) We'll find somewhere else for you to serve. I'm teasing. They might say, no, it's going great. But try some risks. Take some risks. Get out there. Serve. If the bias is toward action, you need to stop being afraid of failure. Let's try something. What's the worst thing that can happen? This is a pretty safe community. Try some, try some, uh, try something. Take some risks. Throw yourself in and see what happens. And then, of course, if you do that, the I would be invite feedback. Ask how it's going. See if the place you've been serving is working for you. Invite feedback from those you're serving with. Invite feedback from the leadership. Invite feedback from your own community. Ask them how it's going. Do that in humility. Do that in vulnerability. Do that with an openness to improve. Because as I mentioned earlier, the gifts that we've been given are usually given in seed form. I've not known very many people who are gifted with teaching from the moment the gift was given. They've had to grow in the skills of teaching, right? I'm going to use that as an example. And so inviting feedback is actually a critical way that we keep growing in an area of our gifts or an area that we're serving, that we keep examining how we've done it and what works and what doesn't work. And let's try this instead of that. And As we invite feedback, we can become greater and have greater effectiveness in our service. The O is for obey God's whisper. This comes, I think, as we're involved in ministry, as we're taking risks, as we're inviting feedback, as we're serving in an area that maybe we've served for a long time or maybe it's new to us, that there'll come a moment where we realize, I characterize it as the whisper of God in our lives that says, this is it. This is the heart, the heart I've given you, the abilities you have and are growing in, the spiritual gifts that you've been granted. Everything's coming together and this is it. This is the spot. This is the place that I want you to give yourself to, to serve in. It may, you may, that whisper may come through God's word. It may come through the community as they speak into your life. It may come as you pray and as you wait on the Lord. But to listen for that whisper and obey it. And realize that God is speaking to you as he calls you into service. And then the end, which may sound funny to you, is to narrow your serve. What do I mean by narrow your serve? I think as we discover our unique shape, we find out that, you know what? I can't serve in 17 different ways. Not effectively but I can serve in two or three. And there might be one primary area that I'm really going to throw my life into. I've decided that God, through the abilities and the heart and the experiences and the gifts He's given me, through the personality, He's I'm going to throw my life into mentoring youth, for example. And you realize that in order for me to really effectively mentor youth, I've got to kind of clear the rest of my schedule. I can't be serving in 18 other ways. I need to focus so that I have time to walk with youth as they follow Jesus. I use that as just an idea out of the air. <laughs> Maybe there's another area of ministry that you've identified and you realize as you hear God's whisper, this is the place you are to serve. Maybe it's in it with a teaching gift. Maybe it's through encouragement. Narrowing your serve is deciding you're going to focus into the area that God has called you and gifted you and given you the abilities for the sake of great Effectiveness. And if we will each do that, serve according to how we've shaped, and in that sense, narrow our serve, we will see the whole body of Christ grow. Because we'll each be serving and operating in the unique way that God has gifted us and empowered us to serve. This is where service brings life. Both to you, I believe, that as we serve according to our shape, it's not this huge, draining, life-wrecking experiences, but rather it's life-giving as we serve according to who God has made us. But it also brings life to other people. As they begin to see through you the life, the freedom, the love that God has for them, as they begin to experience through you this call of God to follow them, this is where life comes. This is how we help people find and follow Jesus. This is how the church grows. This is how the community finds out there is a God who's passionately in love with them, who's seeking them with all his heart. And it's empowered a group of people to be in on his mission for the sake of the world. We serve as we're shaped. And may each one of us grow in our understanding of how we're shaped so that we can be released into the mission that God has sent us into. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you've called us to follow you. And that somehow in amazing ways, you've taken our diverse experiences and our gifts and our abilities and all the things that make us us. And you work with that. In fact, it's, it's to your advantage. It's to the goodness of your mission. You haven't called us to be clones, but you've empowered us as the unique people we are to serve you. And somehow through this, Jesus, you are helping people discover your love, receive your forgiveness, be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we as the Erickson Covenant Church would serve as we've been shaped and see many more people come to know your love and your power in their lives